0: We have changed our, cor- uh, our currency like five times in the last century. Every single time we remove zeros out of, out of from the currency. So for example, like when $1 is like 10,000 pesos, because we have printed too much, too many pesos that 10,000 pesos is $1, then the government can, and they will say, okay, we will remove five zeros from the currency and now one peso is equal to $1. So. We have all the history of understanding what human manipulation does to the currency because we have saw this a lot of times.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Social Confos. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. It's time for a brand new edition. Diego, is it correct that is this is episode 99? 99. 99, one off from numero 100. Wow, how cool is that? How cool is that? So today we have a special guest and we get to talk about a topic that we don't get to discuss that often when we have guests. So I'm actually kind of excited. So Diego... Feel free to share with us whoever's to a guest today.
2: Yeah, awesome. Indeed, today we're going to talk a bit about a bit of investing, a bit of topics we usually get excited about, Web3, crypto, growth mindset, especially, I think something that's, you know, relevant to us here in Suriname, the inflation and getting a first-hand experience from someone in, from Latin America, from Argentina, actually where they're kind of facing similar challenges and see what we can learn. So today we have with us Ignacio, also known as Nacho Peruzzo, And we're going to talk a bit about where Nacho comes from, but I, I always think about, you know, the chips, Nacho chips, but basically I met uh, Nacho online, actually through one of the NFT projects we're kind of both in actually. And they've kind of grown into a, a separate community. And we also talk about a bit about community and how that's kind of developing. But I think without further ado, we can bring up Ignacio, also known as Nacho. Nacho, welcome to the show. Some quick background on Nacho. Basically, you know, traditional background, chemical engineer turned self-taught investor and crypto and web 3 writer kind of similar to what we go through the traditional route, you know, doctor engineering, whatever you may call it. And he's been very active in building communities, especially in Discord. He's one of the co-founders of the Pulse, which was kind of a, a separate community born out of the impact theory project from Tom. So we're curious to know, learn more about Nacho and basically his perspectives, especially coming from Argentina, where we kind of have similar crises with inflation, how to escape that kind of trap that we're in on, you know, the, the economic situation and what perspectives he has to see how we can go about that. So Nacho, welcome to Social Convos. It's a pleasure to have you with us.
0: Hi, man, Diego. Hello. How are you doing? Jean-Luc. It is a pleasure for me to be here with you sharing this lovely night. So Nacho, I have to start with two very important questions. One, I'm actually
1: just seeing that I'm drinking from a World Cup mug. And I have to ask, how did it feel winning the World Cup? So that's the first question I just have to
0: ask. So you know the question was we should go to to Lisha actually you, you was a little with a little glitch there but but I could hear that you were talking about the World Cup so here in Argentina everything has been revolutionized since since the World Cup this is something that that our country was expecting for for so long actually I I was born in the ninety in nineteen ninety our last World Cup was in nineteen eighty six in the nineteen ninety we went to the finals and we lost. It was kind of a controversial call from the referee. That was a great World Cup playing Italy, and and since that time when Maradona was playing, it, we have been waiting for this for so long. You know, our, our, we uh, Argentinians, just football is the number one patient, ba- passion. There is no doubt about it. And and since we have Messi playing for us, it, it, it has been like a struggle after a struggle. He played in, a lot of finals in Copa America. He lost like three or or four, maybe he also lost the, the two thousand fourteen World Cup in Brazil. That that would have been huge, you know, playing again in Brazil and winning that in Brazil. So it would have been incredible. And and finally now in twenty twenty one in Qatar kind kind of an strange play is but but I don't know how, but a lot of Argentinians traveled there. So it was all perfect. We lost the first match. And then the, the team was kind of evolving, you know, as, as the matches go on. We have a, a really difficult match against Mexico. The, the, the country was paralyzed against that before that match. Because if we lost against Mexico, then we were gone. But I think that the, the general confidence on the team was always very high. This was like, like a different team from the ones that we had before. A lot of young guys and also Di Maria and, and Messi as the, as the leaders. And nowhere, you know, when we finally won, it, it was crazy. It was crazy. Five million people on the street, receiving the team. Actually, the team was was supposed to to have like a caravan, you know, from from the airport to to the to downtown Buenos Aires, and it was impossible because, imagine five million <laughs> people on the streets, the bus just co- co- couldn't move. It, it, it was impossible. So after like six hours, where, where they couldn't advance, they couldn't move forward. So they decided to, okay, we're going to take the players to helicopters. So they, they they jumped into like three or four choppers and they started just flying over Buenos Aires and the people went crazy. And, and we are still celebrating. You know, yesterday it was the first appearance from me. He did an interview here with a very well-known host and, and all the countries talking about it. You can see the, the three stars because now we have three World Cups everywhere and Yes, it's, it's, it's crazy and, and it's a great joy for, for, for this country. As Diego was saying, I, I was doing a little research on, on, on your country. I didn't know that you have like a like crisis with inflation and whatnot. And, you know, here in Argentina, we have been struggling a lot with our financial situation. So this was like a relief for sure.
2: No, that's a well-deserved, you know, congratulations. And especially having, you know, the younger generation kind of, as you said, take over so switching that up to kind of the the inflation situation like how bad is it really like like coming from somewhere where you have inflation after inflation and having this you know glimmer of hope like what should we imagine it like being for an average person in, in argentina
0: You, for me the worst things about inflation is actually the, especially the one that we are having here, is that it's been a gradual process. So it has been like 20 consecutive years where inflation is ramping. So maybe we have one or two years where it goes a little down, but eventually the trend is always up. So for example, when this starts to be in a problem, we were in, in, in the range between 10 and 20. There was a, a, a very popular press conference that the former president did here where one of the questions was, how are you doing with a 20% infl- inflation? And, and, and so the, the president at that time, she, she said, no, don't, don't, don't get us wrong. We don't have 20% inflation. The country would be flying through the air if we had 20% inflation. Maybe at that time, inflation was 15, 16, you know? But now we have 100% inflation. That means that basically the prices that we have today, if we go one year in the future, prices will double. Of course, that is like a a general basket. There are some prices that go up more and that go up less. So, for example, we have a lot lot of prices that are regulated by the government. So the government do everything they can to take those prices down. I I just pay my my electricity bill, for example. Today, do you want to know how much I pay for for my electricity bill for one month? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pay less. I, I paid, paid less, less than $1, that less than one American dollar for a whole month of electricity, because that is one of the prices that the government is very interested in keeping low. The same, for example, with gas, with, with gas or with oil, so for example, one, one liter of gasoline, we call it NAFTA here, is probably 70 to 80 tenths of a dollar. I know that internationally, that those prices are almost absurd, they are very but, low. My, my, that is also another my, price that I the government bill. is very interested in, in keeping low.
1: My electricity bill is a little bit higher, but it's also compared to the Western world. if you're the electricity, is also very, very low price and the gas prices are, I think, yeah. Around just under dollar. a dollar as yeah. well. It's just for, re- pretty for...
2: heavily subsidized. Yeah, it's
1: very, very heavily subsidized as well. The second question that I have to ask before we get into the real web tree and growth mindset stuff is you just took a little bit out of your cup. And for those who are not familiar with, with Latin American culture, could you tell us a little bit about that cup and the straw? <laughs> what it is for those who are not familiar? Because I know... A lot of South so, American countries, that is, it's
0: a specialty. So, so you are talking yeah, about can this, talking about it is? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, this is called mate. Yeah, for, for sure. This is very, very popular, especially in Argentina and Uruguay, the south of Brazil. So the, the best way to explain this is, let's say that it's a tea. So you put the, the the herbs here. I don't know if you can see it there. Okay. This is almost completely, maybe 70% full of the, the herbs. Then you have to we use a hot water at almost 80 degrees Celsius. So we, we uh, and we just, with the straw, it is like, people compare this with, with a coffee. They think that this has to last, one mate has to last like, I don't know, half an hour or 20 minutes. No, it's just a little soup after another. And and also the most important thing, part of this tradition, is that we also share it. For example, if we'll be together in the same room, I will be drinking one, then I will pass to Diego, then I will pass to Jean-Luc. and So it's not only the, the fact that we are drinking this, but it's like we are forming community, for example, on the weekends, we'll go to our parents or friends and we'll take our mate. Or, for example, I, I live in a small city here and, and it is very common that we'll go to the parks and just or just driving the car, for example, with the family. So we take the mate and it is like one for you, two, one for me. I prefer this bitter, very bitter, but for other persons, they use, they use it with sugar. So you, you can use different types of, of herbs. You can also mixture it with different flavor of fish. So let's say that every person has like their own taste for it. For me, I like it bitter. I would like it the, the, the Uruguayan way because I'm also live like very close to Uruguay. I, I live twenty twenty kilometers away from, from the border with Uruguay, basically now that we are, we are talking about the world cup and messi and and all those kind of things you'll see him almost every time that he goes to the bus or to the or to the airplane he he is taking his his mate with, with him because the fact that the, the because of the presentation we also have this like cold water here it is also very easy to to carry you know you go like this you start walking and you go to the bus you go to the to the plane and you just sip it there, and there you go. And, and for example, one liter of water, this can last like hours. You can be like two hours drinking, uh, and imagine if you are with your friends, you have like two or three hours w- with one liter of water, just sharing and, and drinking mate. And, and of course, we also may have like a sweet cookies. So it's like a tradition, uh, and it's really nice. And, and we start drinking mate from a very young age. If you actually want to know more of the scientific background of scientific basis of, of drinking mate, do you know Andrew Huberman and his podcast? No, I can't say that I'm familiar,
2: but it does sound very interesting. I actually never knew about this this tradition. It's and now I have okay. to try it.
0: <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Let, let me explain then. For example, Andrew Huberman is a neuroscientist. He has been like in Tim Ferriss' podcast. He has been with, with Tom. He has been in all of those places. Now he has like a, a, a health and personal development podcast that is called the, the Huberman Lab podcast. And his father is actually from Argentina. So he brings Mate. And in one of the episodes, he was explaining like the properties of coffee and different things. For example, he would have one episode focused on mental health, the other on training, the other on nutrition. I, I, and so he would have, if you go to YouTube and you search for Andrew Huberman Mate, he would explain all the characteristics of the Mate and, and why he considered it that is very important to to drink Mate. For example, instead of drinking tea, you can drink Mate. And I definitely prefer Mati, I don't drink coffee, for example.
2: Yeah, me neither. I prefer tea, but yeah. now that you're telling me about Mati, definitely something on my to-do list the moment I find you know, somewhere I, to
0: nearby. And you know, the the, the, the thing now with, with internet and with Amazon and with everything else is that this is very easy to... to to get, you can buy almost in any part of the world. This is also one of the most important exports that that we have in Argentina. And and I know that, for example, some of the countries from Asia, I don't remember the name now, but some some countries in Asia are drinking mate. Also because of this, what I was mentioning before, that the soccer players are, are, are drinking mate. So it's becoming like very popular in France. They are drinking mate. And in Southeast Asia, and as I was saying, well, in Brazil, for example, you you have uh, the border with Brazil, but but uh, as far as I know, in the north region of Brazil, they don't drink mate. This is more like a a, a tradition in the south region of Brazil. But Colombia drink mate, uh, Peru, I, I don't know Chile, but I guess they they also uh, at least a, a little percentage of the population.
1: Yeah, I think I heard first heard it from somebody from Uruguay, indeed. Yeah, definitely.
2: Speaking of tradition, like that, that is like, I think that's a very interesting tidbit to know that kind of something very traditional is very popular and especially having the Messy and, you know, the, the World Cup experience, being able to share and expose that part of the culture as well to the rest of the world. So I'm curious from a tradition's perspective, like how is like the, I'd say, the traditional finance world in Argentina and comparing it to something disruptive like, you know, the the crypto and financial tech technology, especially Web3. Like, how is that clash happening? I, I'd say, how, how are people adopting these new technologies within the boundaries of the, the traditional limitations?
0: Well, one thing that we didn't mention when well, we were talking about inflation before in the, in the previous question is the fact that Inflation is only one part of the combo. The other one is that we have capital controls. When you have capital controls, that basically means that with you, I, I, I couldn't send money to you in Suriname or, or in any other places almost in, in the world. Because the government the, the, is not like allowing us to freely transact with the rest of the world. They have... Like a, like a fixed change rate that is not favorable for us, that is not convenient. So that, with inflation, is like the perfect combo for us to sink outside the box. We, we know that is our system here in Argentina is, is going to be bad for us. That we, if we have our pesos in the bank, those pesos will devalue over time. So we need to, to find another way. So, for example, here in Argentina, every single person buys dollars. That is the one hundred percent of the population. Some other percentages of the population also invests in the traditional markets. Let's say fixed rate bonds, stocks. But there we also have problems with the government because we have a lot of regulation. So, for example, we would invest in bonds. The market is close at 5 p.m. And they would change their rules. This happened to me investing, actually. I think of my portfolio, I invested in, in, in secure bonds and the market closed. The government had a press conference. They announced changes. And at the other day, one third of my portfolio, the one that was in these secure bonds, that it was just slowly growing, following inflation, you know, they were almost gone because it was, it was such a confusion. That my broker didn't know what to do with that, because they they kind of those were balls where physical people and also companies were able to to invest, uh, and the regulation only applies to companies. But uh, as I will say, they they apply this regulation probably uh, at six or seven p.m. and they start being official at the next following day. They don't have like even time to adapt, and so the other day the other day when I went I went and I went. And I saw my portfolio. It was that <laughs> you cannot imagine. I, I was in my in my tradition I, at the factory working, and, and I was just looking at my portfolio. And I was I wanted to cry. Really, I, I wanted to cry. And all of those things. What actually the effect that that this has is that we are always trying to how can we preserve our wealth. And that is why I think we have this big crypto adoption. I wouldn't say that 100% of the population invests in crypto. That is not true. We are far from that. But yes, a big percentage of the population know of Bitcoin. We have some, like maybe three or four fintech new, new companies that have been emerging since 2020, probably, where it is very easy to, to, to buy table coins, Ether and Bitcoin mainly very, very easy. These fintech also have like credit cards or debit card where you can use your, your or the, the, the amount of crypto that you are saving. You can use it. You have cash back and, and you have different like incentives to, to use. For example, you, you have discount. I don't know. Wednesday, you have discount at the supermarket. Thursday, you have discount at restaurants. Right? And that is encouraging people to, to use crypto. Then, Another consequence of of this policy that we have here is that traditional salaries, let's say, if you work at a factory, or if you are an accountant, uh, or if you are are a doctor, our salaries are pretty low. Basically, because of the capital controls, because we don't have enough job offers open. So it's like supply and demand. A lot of people need to work, not enough jobs open. So salaries are low. That also have been encouraging people to start working from home, start working in, in Web3 projects or Web2 or digi- digitally, basically using the internet, using the, the technology that we have now, and getting paid in dollars or in crypto, bypassing those capital controls that we have. And imagine that here in Argentina, we, in, in the city that I live, If you, if if your income is $1,000 a month, you can live like a king, basically. Because as I was saying, I paid $1 a month for, for my electricity, a a typical rent here in my, in my city would be with $100, you can rent a a very nice apartment. So imagine that working in Web3, getting $1,000 a month, I, I wouldn't say that it is easy, but it's something that you can really achieve. So it's like a domino effect where you see, okay, my friend is working at this. My neighborhood is working at this. I also want to jump into this. I want to see what is there. Interesting, like having those comparisons, especially I really appreciate you, you
2: know, giving us some numbers there. But I, I do have to draw a parallel, like a few weeks ago, as you know, El Salvador kind of, you know, the government in El Salvador kind of pushed Bitcoin as legal tender. And kind of introduced, you know, Bitcoin adoption throughout the population. And our friend from El Salvador was actually explaining to us, even though, as a country, as a government pushing the adoption of these technologies, kind of the average person kind of just cashed it out because they got like, I think, $20 worth of Bitcoin to help ease in the transition to that type of transaction. Many people still kind of. Even though the possibility is there, many people still kind of look for a quick way or, you know, a quick way to make money. And this kind of transition to that mindset, that growth mindset we were mentioning before, because you just mentioned there's a lot of opportunity there to kind of circumvent the capital control restrictions and everything. So how. I would say, do people kind of in your immediate circles, at least, how do people see that? If if you look at your close friends, your circles, if if you say an average out of 10 people, how many people actually go that extra step to try to do something for themselves and, you know, level up?
0: Well, actually what I was telling you before, maybe it was the bright child of things. Those people that that start thinking outside of the box and thinking that there is something beyond, that is the minority. To be completely honest, that is the minority. If I would have to talk, for example, about my, my close circle of friends, they, when they got involved in crypto, for example, during the last bull run, right. everything that they wanted, it was just to make a quick back, Because uh, as I was also saying, if you make, for example, $100, flipping one NFT or because Bitcoin today is X price and, and in one month is two X, you can make a quick back. But you know how the, this goes, FOMO kicks in, and eventually you almost lost everything. So, for example, when I have my friends coming at me and uh, they know that I'm involved in them, and I, as I was saying, especially during the last one, a uh, bull market, my advice for them was go slowly because this is something that I have been thinking for, for a long time now. I have my, my, my job, my, my nine to five job. I receive my salary. So my mind is programmed to receive the salary during the first day, days of the month of and then the, that, that amount of money start going down. And that is the way it is. And I can save and the next ma- month I will receive my, uh, my other salary I, I, and the amount of money will also increase. But when you start investing, especially in these very volatile assets, what starts happening is, uh, for example, today, my net worth is 100, let's say. Tomorrow, it is 120, and the other day is 90, and the other day is one hundred and twenty again. And if you are not really understanding what you are buying, why you are doing it, what is your main goal investing in, in this kind of asset, you really become crazy. I remember the first time that I invested in crypto, I did it, I, I, buy, I bought some stable coins because, as I was mentioning before, we are crazy about dollars. So the idea of having stable coins here is very, very popular. So I, I bought some some stable coins and that platform also offered the, the alternative of buying some some BTC. I bought some BTC, obviously it's just like maybe I don't know, 50 dollars $50 or something similar. And that was like I had no idea about Bitcoin. I did it the wrong way, probably. I, I I was doing it with with playing money. And that in my mind, it's like, okay, this is very interesting. Now I will have to start studying. What is this? So I started studying the, the happening, the 21 million and, and everything else. But to be completely honest with you, that is not what most of the people do. And I hope now, for example, that we are in a bear market. I have almost no friends asking me about crypto. I am sure that eventually they will return. They will start asking. I have one one very... Funny anecdotes, one, one of my colleagues uh, uh, at the factory, in, 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 at the, almost at the top of, of, the, of the bull run, he came and he asked me, should I buy, should I put every, all, every, every single penny that I have in Dogecoin? And I said, no, please do not buy Dogecoin. <laughs> Stick to Bitcoin, you are just learning, go slowly. And you know, I, of, of course, he didn't do what I, what, what I said. Um, and one week later, he would come he he told me, you know, I bought every single saving that I have in those coins, and this is also another problem when we have inflation and when we have capital controls. We start thinking very short term, and it feels like there is no way out. So probably the, the first alternative that we that we read on the internet or, or the first YouTube video that that we watch is like the safe haven. It's like this is my way out. This is what. A lot of people are making money out of this. I need to jump into that train too. And that is a very common mistake that people do, especially here in a a country with with high inflation because you feel like the pesos are just melting in in your hands. You need to do something with that. And with all the control that we have from the government, at this moment, you can buy legally at the official rate plus a couple of taxes on top of that. You can buy $200 a month. So let's say you are a young professional, you can save more than two hundred dollars a month. What do you do with the extra? Because if you keep it in pesos, those will devalue. So you just hear some meme coin there, some NFT, and you go. And you. that is basically the, the bias that that people have. And what I am basically trying to to educate a little bit about that. Take it a little bit slowly. Of course, the first time that you make a couple of facts that you see your portfolio increasing, take it slow. This is a long-term gain. That is basically w- what I think. Ideally, over the long term, more people will start un- understanding this. And, but the truth is that most people don't. And that is unfortunately for sure. Yeah. Should we go to the question of Diego? Should we go to the
1: question of Farley in the comments?
2: Oh, oh yeah, sure. Go, go ahead, and I'll follow up there. Yeah.
1: So 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 Nacho, basically you already answered part of the question, but finally wanted to know like if you're a crypto greenhorn and you have no idea what to invest in, where do you start? Because like you say, there's a lot of fake crypto projects. There are also a lot of rock pools in the NFT space and in Web3 space. So what what would be a a good way to start for somebody who is just
0: coming in completely new? Great question. This is, as we were discussing before, a very common mistake that people have. The, the, the first thing that I would say is that if you think that this is too good to be true, probably it's not true. And this happens a lot in crypto. You see a lot of people that, that are saying that they are going to change the world, that their project or their coin or their NFT is going to revolutionize this industry, that other industry, and you need to take it as low, really. This is a very nation industry. Bitcoin has only been since 2009. ETH has been a little bit even less. It has been since 2014, I, I guess. Uh, and for example, Solana has three or four years. So you need to put it, the, these assets, these assets are still very volatile. And there is no safe haven. And as I was saying before. So my take on that, on, on that question would be separate some money for your risk assets. You need to. Understand the volatility of the asset. So start very slowly. You start slowly, you get used to the volatility. So my, the way that, that I did it, the way that I was starting to feel comfortable, for example, with Bitcoin, I did a lot of research. I started listening to much more educated people than me talking about it. For example, when it when was about Bitcoin, I would listen to someone like Michael Saylor. Or when it was about ETH, I would go and I would listen to Vitalik. I would read his blog post. I would see what they propose. And not only the, the, the side the size of, of the champions that, that are defending those, those projects, also the other side of the coin. Those who are criticizing those projects, why are they doing that? What do you think are the intentions that they have after that criticization? Where are they investing? Are they investing in the competition? Are they, of course, you'll never be 100% sure, but so summarizing, for me, the best alternative, the best way to do it is taking it very slow. Don't let the fomo kick in. You'll listen to all of the stories from the OGs uh, turning their first investment into millions, that could happen to you. Most likely it won't. The truth is that without doing the research, without spending a lot of hours, without putting yourself to the work, you are not going to achieve that. That is the, the truth, unfortunately. If I would know what is the next coin that is going to do at 100X, probably I wouldn't be here talking to you and I would be investing in that <laughs> and trading that. But the truth is that no, no, no one knows what the... Perf- Performance of the coin is is going to be. The only thing that I know for sure is that my Argentinean peso will keep devaluing. All the other, for me, are are in a different range of possibilities. For example, I have my 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 thesis of of investment in Bitcoin is that eventually the adoption will keep increasing uh, as we are seeing, and eventually the hard cap of twenty one million would make the price go up. I don't know when, I don't know what will happen in the middle. Because, but that is my thesis. And as long as I see that Bitcoin is is on its way to have the uh, 21 million hard cap, that thesis will continue for me. For example, now it has changed the the consensus mechanism, has changed the the issuance that they, they are having. So. I, I see it much more closely because I see human interaction is be, m- much more common in the Ethereum ecosystem. So, for example, I like what they are doing, but I'm being cautious. So, I see I, if I started to see Vitalik or the main developers or, or the general sense of the community is we need to start issuing more ETH. We need to start changing this. We need to start changing that. Well, that would be a red flag for me. So, be very careful. With the, with the future plans of the projects. That would be what I, what I would say. And, and, and listen to those champions. Also listen to those not defending the, the project. That would be my, my main advice.
2: So in summary, basically, what you're saying is it all comes down to learning and educating yourself But also forming your own thesis around it. Like that, that's the important thing because you have to believe that it's possible and not just listen to someone else, essentially. And I think you made a good point there about, you know, listen to the champions, who the people, but also listen to the critics. Why are they criticizing everything they do? And I was going to ask, you know, what your thesis was on Bitcoin. And I got a general sense of that. Yes, you know, the, your local currency, basically, if you project it uh, to the future, and if you look, look at the historical performance, obviously histor- historical performance isn't indicative of you no know, future returns, but you can see trends there. And if you see across all Latin America, across basically any country that's not EU or Europe, basic inflation just goes up, debt just keeps increasing. And the, the, the way I think about it is how do you minimize your risk? How do you, you know, spread out your assets to minimize or at least outpace that inflation rate to help protect your wealth? So I, I wanted to elaborate a bit more on your thesis on Bitcoin specifically. We, we can talk about ETH a bit more, but Bitcoin specifically, because as it's projected now, like the 21 million will be reached around the year 2140. We'll all be corpses by then, basically. So we're, we're not going to see that. But as we're going we're gonna to experience a few more happenings, like now it's projected every three to four years, and that means the supply just decreases. And over a long period of time, people lose their keys, people lose their wallets, and the supply gets, I'd say, artificially less. And if you <laughs> apply basic supply yes. and demand principles, no, less supply means an increase in value if you denominate it in a currency like the US dollar. So what is your main thesis behind, I'd say, Bitcoin? Why you think that that is a viable asset compared to something like gold or oil or something else? What, what, what's your underlying like, fundamental principle? Why you see Bitcoin maybe working?
0: Okay, if I will tell you why is the main result, that people buy dollars here in Argentina is because we don't control the issuance of dollars. So basically people here know, knows that dollar supplies here is needed. We don't have the, the printing machine for dollars while we do have the printing machine for pesos. So that creates a huge imbalance where we have a scarcity of dollars and a lot of pesos coming into the market every single year. So. We we'll have, for example, the the exchange rate with between dollars and pesos may change, may goes up and down eventually. But the the general trend we have like we have changed our cor- uh, our currency like five times in the last century. Every single time we remove zeros out of out of from the currency. So, for example, like when one dollar is like ten thousand pesos because we have printed too much so many pesos that 10,000 pesos is one dollar, then the government can, and they will say, okay, we will remove five zeros from the currency. And now one peso is equal to one dollar. So we have all the history of understanding what human manipulation does to the currency, because we have saw this a lot of times. So it's not the same scale, it's a much slower scale, but we have seen the same with the Euro, with the dollar, with the British pound the other day was I, I was listening to a podcast and they were mentioning that I don't remember but it was in the 19th century that with one British pound you could buy like eight, eight cows or nine cows or something like that and, and now imagine with one pound what can you buy maybe one coffee so the rate is not the same they haven't been to they haven't had the need to remove a lot of steel from the currency. The same with the dollars. If if you would go to and watch at this series that have been inspired in in like a hundred years ago, for example, you'll see like what they can buy with one cent, with five cents, how uh, like one dollar is like a lot of money. So we have this tendency, like when, when we let the government, what we have the human manipulation to the currency, it eventually goes down. So my thesis for defending Bitcoin is that at a decent rate, my Argentinian peso, I'm sure that I, that I won, during my lifetime, I'm sure that I will see this peso that we have today will collapse completely. They will have to remove it. They will have to change the name. They will have to create another new currency with a new exchange rate. Because today, one dollar is Almost 400 pesos. And the rate is increasing. So it is a matter of 10, 5, 10 years until we have like $1, uh, 1,000 or 5,000 pesos. And at that point in time, it is worth basically the money. So I'm seeing, especially after COVID, that is basically where I got into crypto and into NFTs and, and everything else. I started seeing that very same behavior that we have been having here in Argentina, in the developing country. And not only because of, the, of how they print money, also the the, all the speech that they have around that. Because for example, what is the reason why I pay $1 for my electricity bill? Because the government is saying, you have the right to have cheap electricity. You have the right to... Have cheap gas. You have the right to this and whatever. And in my opinion, what they are uh, for, they are not mentioning, is that every right that you have also have a responsibility. And this is also this is always a scale. This need to have a balance. So the the, the government has made us believe that they can print money at it forever and nothing happens. And yes, something happens. You have inflation. And if you, for example, when I was born, one peso was equal, equal to one dollar. And and that was like that for 10 years. And, and I was saying, just saying now 400 pesos is equal to one dollar. So as Diego was just saying, we have been that Bitcoin has been performing smoothly since Satoshi released the white paper. One block every 10 minutes, the hard cap is on point. We don't see that changing because basically that is what hardcore Bitcoiners are defending. They don't want to change that. That is probably the, the, the main fundamental thesis behind them that we want the 21 millions. We don't have to increase the, that. And so I am sure that the, the, the government of the US will keep printing money, will keep printing dollars. Not as the right that the Argentinian government do but they will keep printing dollars. The same, the, the bank of, sorry guys, the same for for the banking in the Eurozone, the, 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 the same with, with Japan. Because basically yeah. there is also a, a government need, need to be every 40 years or five or whatever, just like they need to, they want to preserve their power. So they, they, they need to create this environment where people would go and would vote for them. So, no one in any government is actually willing to take the price that would say, okay, we will stop printing money because that, that would be very harmful in the short term. Probably this is the safest that they could do in the long term, but don't, not in the short term. And as we have government renewing themselves every four or five years, this creates a huge imbalance. And my thesis for is investing in Bitcoin is probably 20 or 30 or 40 years or as Michael Saylor has been saying, this is going up forever. And I gonna say, I'm basically behind, behind that too. You know, you
1: know, what's really, really interesting. I think a lot of smaller countries in South America really look up to Argentina and Brazil as the two big companies in our continent. And just like you're explaining with peso. In Brazil, the real was also created by scratching a couple of zeros. And just like the peso, the Argentinian peso, our currency back in 2003, I think, we also scrapped three zeros to go from the Surinamese the Gilder to the Surinamese dollar. And I just looked up since 2016, how the Surinamese dollar compares to the Argentinian peso and the Surinamese dollar, even with all the inflation that we have had in the past couple of years, is still outperforming the Argentinian peso. For some reason, like you mentioned, it's, it's very gradual. So Argentina has never been like in a list of these are the 10 countries with the highest inflation, but for some reason reason it's still the peso is performing worse than our currency which we are really like hey what's going on already so that's that's really mind-blowing especially because we especially from Suriname, perceive argentina as a economic bigger player and a bigger country in south america so it's it's really really baffling but you also mentioned that there's a limit to getting how much U.S. dollars you can buy in Argentina. How easy is it to get those dollars? Is it easy to get U.S. dollars in Argentina or is that a hassle as well?
0: You guys, you should come here to see how easy it is to get dollars in the black market because this is another thing that is very common for governments. They believe that they can create all of these regulations and they will control the whole situation. And every time that you put like one regulation, people will, will try to escape that. And that is exactly what is going on here. If I want to buy dollars, the only thing that I have to do is go to my WhatsApp group with my friends and I, and I say, guys, I need $100. Who is selling? As easy as that. That is the truth. And that is something that the government cannot control. So that, that is also another one of my thesis for crypto when they say, we're stopping crypto, the government is going to buy crypto or whatever. How they are going to do it? If yeah. here, supposedly, you can only buy $200 a month and on your bank, but on the other hand, you can call a friend and he will sell the dollars. I mean, there is no way they can stop that. I, I would, say, would, would tell you, send, send you a, a pic here in downtown my, my my city. We have the Banco Nacion, one of the biggest banks, bank of the nation. And then we have Bank Entre Rios, which is my province in the downtown. They, those are the biggest buildings here. They are like all these giant constructions because banks need to look strong and whatnot. And in front of every one of, of those banks, we have these places called Cuevas, where based Basically, you can go and you can buy in the black market, uh, especially dollars. But you now you can start buying crypto. You can, we, uh, as I was saying in one of the first questions, uh, I live very, very close to Uruguay, so so you can exchange pesos to Uruguay to Uruguayan pesos. Which, because of this situation that Argentina has become really cheap, if you have a, a stronger currency, my my city is flooded with Uruguayans. They buy everything here. They, they go to the supermarkets and they take everything. They go to the, almost, to the restaurants, hotels. Everything is packed with Uruguayans. Of course, this has another side of the coin. If you go, if you go to Google and you search exchange rate between Argentinian peso and, and dollars, you'll find the official exchange rate. That is the one that you can access $200 a month. With some extra taxes, so it's not completely that. I know it's a mess. We Argentina, we understand this, but for for we sort of for ninety nine percent, percent exactly of the world, it's just crazy So okay, so for uh, I, I just I just looked at the numbers for you before before this episode today, the official exchange rate between Argentinian pesos and dollars is one hundred and eighty, and the unofficial, I, the one that that. that I would get if I call my friend, hey, I need dollars, is 380. So it's, we have a premium of more than 100%. So if you ask me how easy it is to get your hands in with dollars, it is really easy. The price you have to pay is different. That is the only thing. If And now you'd ask me, okay, but no, I, I just want to buy the, the, the official exchange rate. What should I do in order to, to get that rate? Well, that is where. You need to get closer and closer and closer to the government, because that is the truth. Unfortunately, that is the truth, and that is why we have all this corruption, we have all, all these people trying to so desperate to, to be a government and to start manipulating the money. Because imagine, at, at this moment, here in Argentina, the, the most looked at business that you have is if you can get dollars at 180 pesos import goods and services from the from overseas and you bring them here to Argentina. For example, a couple of months ago, we have the world record for Coldplay shows. We have like 12 consecutive Coldplay shows in the River Plate Stadium. Every single show was packed with more than 50,000 people. And, and people were saying, how is it possible that we have so many Coldplay fans? No. And, and I was thinking, "No, know, the... Okay, we have Coldplay is a great band, one of the best in the world, probably. But for, for, for the, the person that brought the band here to Argentina, his business was not bringing Coldplay. His business was getting his hand in official dollars and selling tickets at the unofficial exchange rate. That, is, that was his business. And that is something that a lot of people do not understand. And we have all those imbalances here, and, and, and it's crazy. And I hope that the rest of the world really understand. And and as I was saying, every every time that we have one regulation, we have two, three, or four different ways that we try to escape that. That is the way it is.
2: That sounds very familiar. I'm looking at your face and look at You're like, oh, my God. (laughs) Yes,
1: these are just (laughs) comparisons. I think what people have to understand, there's also a generational shift. There is a generational shift in morality and how people approach things and I think 30 years ago it was immoral for these kind of business ventures to be around and you would get sent to prison and you would be judged and people would say it's immoral to do these kind of business ventures but as generations change There's a different perception about governmental control. There's a different perception about the importance of money or the role the money plays. And all of a sudden, you're going to get generations. And it's not this generation, but probably the next one that will just abandon certain things that were being taught back 30 years ago. And I think that also plays a role because people with crypto are seeing like, hey, wait a minute. One of the biggest knocks against Bitcoin is that with gold, for instance, you can actually make jewelry from gold. But with oil, there are people that are investing in oil. All oil also doesn't really have. Yeah, people consume it, but it doesn't have like, hey, I have ten thousand barrels of oil, I can make use of it. And it's with Bitcoin. The idea is like, okay, but what can you use it for? But what people forget is the investment value. They're only. 21 million bitcoins and there will be more than 21 billionaires by the time bitcoin is completely mined. so there is enough reason and trust for people to invest in it and for some people a bitcoin has more value than their local currency and i think that will only become more as time grows i think that's a very interesting dynamic shift and change that's going on between generations where somebody a boomer for instance would say like I would never infect in that because it makes no sense a Gen Z will say like actually this makes more sense than believing in your state and thinking that your government will s- solve all your problems so it's really interesting to, to think
0: about now, I, I was just going to okay, I was just going to say that that it is very common to, to hear that that Bitcoin has no utility while gold can be used as jewelry and whatnot. And I have developed this con- confidence over over the time that I am asking money to be money, and that's all. And Bitcoin, I think, is the best money that we have because of the property that we have discussing and, and a lot of property that we cannot discuss. And, and probably that physical nature of gold was what made it fail as money in our time because it was really easy for the government to confiscate it and to actually if we are talking only about the properties of gold probably an ounce of gold should be like i don't know a lot of much more than it is today and why is that it is so difficult for gold to to take place as the global reserve currency now because most of gold is owned by governments and they will never sell it so that is that is what i think i am asking money just to be money i i i don't need my bitcoin to to have like a necklace bitcoin or anything else i just want it to be money and i and i want it to be mine and i don't want it to to be taken away from the government because the the thing is that with the peso that i have with the dollars yes you can have the, the the physical bill right but you need to, to think about this like a cake. Every time that the government prints more, your take there is lower and lower and lower. And it is basically, as, as they day you start basically taking your money out of, of, of your control. And with Bitcoin, as we have the 21 million hard cap, let's say you have one Bitcoin, that is what it is. One over 21 million. And that will, if you take good care of your part yours forever. I agree. And as Robert Breedlove
2: would say, basically inflation is stepped in on your principle on, you know, the the pie getting smaller because the the increase (laughs) in supply. Basically, you're extracting value from your citizens by increasing the supply and decreasing their purchasing power. Whereas Bitcoin is basically the supply is limited or restricted. And kind of, if you're talking about Ethereum now, switching to proof of stakes with the ultrasound principle becoming deflationary. It's curious to see how that's going to play out, but that's a whole different topic in itself. But as we're reaching the hour mark, I want to wrap up with you a bit on a a little more lighthearted stuff. We talked a bit about inflation. We talked about your experience. Really appreciate you sharing like the perspectives and the parallels that we can draw here as John Luke says. We should be even happy that our inflation rate is going so slow compared to the rate is going in Argentina. Basically, it's what we're hearing. (laughs) But to switch it up and to close this episode of, when we asked you to write your, like send us a quick bio to introduce you, you mentioned you use ChatGPT to write your bio. So I'm curious to know, like what did you prompt in ChatGPT to get that whole bio written? (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, yeah, basically, uh, podcasting is my favorite way of, of of content creation. So I'm listening to, uh, at this point in my life, a, a lot of podcast episodes, thousands of them probably. So I really know how to write a, a, an introduction for, for a podcast episode. But I native Spanish. I needed this to be written in English. So I, I knew that it would take me a little bit of time probably and I should do write it. So I, I have been using ChatGPT for my for my job at the factory, and I have, have been very successful with that. I I have presented different documents to to, to my to my manager, and and it is great, really. So I just went to ChatGPT and I asked, Hey, literally, this is what I said: I know that you can write me the best bio ever for the podcast episode that I have to do this week. What info would you need from me in order to do that? And so GPT, his answer was, hey, I need your name. I need what you do with, as your professional career. What your interest? Is, your interests? Your hobbies? A funny anecdote is you've had or a personal achievement that you want to share with the world. And where are you from? It, it, it was five bullet points. So I say, hey, here you have. This is the, my bullet point. One, this, two, three. And I, and I will also say here you have some little extra info if you wanna if you wanna share it that and and that was it basically so probably it, it had taken me like forty five to an hour to write a, a, a proper bio for you guys to to share with with the audience and for ChatGPT it, it was only five minutes and I actually didn't realize that I, that I could have done it in Spanish because one thing very interesting is that. As I have been using ChatGPT, I, I, I kind of realized how, how these boundaries that we have between languages, ChatGPT doesn't have it. So I've seen all of these videos of, or for people asking, I need you programming this in this language or in this other. And, and they say, how is it is possible that ChatGPT knows how to program in Java, how to program in Solidity or whatnot? Because they are thinking the way humans do. If, if, if we want to program in Solidity or in any other language, we need to go and we need to become an engineer in that. And we need to spend a hundred or thousands of hours studying that. Uh, and for ChatGPT, that is just another way of saying things. That is my interpretation of, of how ChatGPT sings quote unquote, old So, for example, I think that for ChatGPT, it is the same to say house or say in casa. They, they don't think casa, Spanish, house, English. That is the, for me, that is the way it, it thinks really. And so after yeah. I, 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 I sent all that, that information for the bio, I said, my God, I could have done this in Spanish and then just, Hey, can you write these codes in English? And it was just as easy as that because I am always translating from English to Spanish and whatnot. And and for example, with, with Google Translate, one thing that you really see very clearly is like, you you know that there is a machine there. It's like very mechanic. It's like resp- following all those grammatical rules that sometimes make no sense. So that is with Google Translate. What I have been seeing with ChatGPT is how it is more, you could say human, yes, because the, the way it translates, it's, it really understands kind of the way we elaborate phrases, that we make mistakes wh- while speaking. Another way that I have been using ChatGPT, for example, in, in, in the newsletter that we have or, or when I'm writing my articles. Generally, I have been living here in Argentina my, my whole life. So I use English when I consume content, when I am chatting, when I am Discord, when I am on Twitter. But the truth is that when I have to write a, a long piece, I'm always very nervous because I think if this that I'm saying really sounds natural. So I would prepare a piece and then I would have to go, for example, I don't know, to Diego and to say, Hey Diego, here is the draft of the, of the article that I wrote, just wrote. Would you please take a look and, and, and tell me how if Especially what I'm looking for is that sounds natural because I love languages. And I, for Spanish is not an easy language to learn. So I know how it sounds when you see a a non-native speaker of of Spanish. And I don't want to sound like that in English, especially when I am writing. And and with ChatGPT, what I really am taking advantage of is that fact that I can now write what what I want to say. It can help me to, to elaborate that a little bit more. And eventually after that, when I am just going to publish that, I can say, Hey, ChatGPT, can you help me Is this, does this sound natural in English or not? What change should you make? And so, for example, ChatGPT would say, you are using a lot, of, a lot of passive voice. That in English is not the best way to do it because it's not as direct for the, for the reader. I would suggest these, these changes. And that is the way that I'm using it. And I hope it stays free. Okay, fair. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to pay like I don't know the, the forty dollars a month. That I I think it it will be the when when they start paying. That it is a great service too, and uh, and we are just seeing the the first iteration of that. I was just listening to to the episode, to your last episode uh, this morning, and you were talking about Dali and my journey and and everything else. And I've been trying to use ChatGPT to create great, great prompts for 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 those programs, and some of them are great, some of them are not. But what I really realize is that as ChatGPT do- doesn't have internet connection, at least for now, ChatGPT doesn't know what my journey as an established product is or Dali what what it is. So ChatGPT knows what artificial intelligence capable of creating images is, but my journey has its own prompts that work better better than in Dali or in Stable Diffusion. So. I was just thinking. This would be great is ChatGPT actually knows the way my journey likes the information or the 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 way Dali likes the information. I haven't been using for example a stable, a stable Diffusion, but I have watched some some tutorials and I know that that Stable Diffusion has like some negative prompts. So you have to tell it what you don't want to be in the in the in the in the, in the, in the image. And so I was just thinking when when we got to that point, that'll be mind blowing really what, what we can do. I other than the blockchain, and Bitcoin and Ethereum development, I'm really focusing on that there now. I think it's, it's pretty impressive everything, especially in in, short, in 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 this short period of time, basically less than a year.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. And what I find what I find interesting as well, I found out today that GDP doesn't do certain prompts. So, for instance, if you want to write a poem on admiring Trump, GDP will tell you that it's not allowed to do that. So, that's something really interesting. Wow. Yes. Yeah, it's really interesting. And it's very arbitrage. So, and I, you guys can test it. I, I think it was what Trump. And also with a couple of other uh, other leaders as well, that if you say like write this positive or admiring poem or piece about a certain person that is considered not to be or has said certain things that that are hateful and those kind of things, that chat GVP will say, like, no, we, we cannot do that. So that was really interesting. So as politics continue to grow. How, How? to what extent can Web3 and AI become really immersive in the sense that it's not going to be controlled by the people who have the most power in the world?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I I, I haven't heard of that anecdote that you were telling, and and that is for sure one maybe of, of the aspect where I see that crypto and, and Bitcoin and this technology can still lead the, the race because of the decentralization nature that it, that it has. So imagine if we could have like a decentralized version of ChatGPT. Of course, it, it will have a lot of bad too. As we are seeing in crypto, we we'll need to be much more careful with, with everything that we do. But I'm really not in favor of censoring not this size, not not this other side of of the spectrum, right? For me, if we can keep the spectrum as wide as possible, that that is the the way to go. And we actually need to to educate people why certain leaders behave this way and certain others this other way. But I think that censoring is is actually not the way to go. So I I would really like to, with for example the the, the image generating AI's I know that they have certain prompts that they would tell you no, I cannot create that images that that is really I think the the nature that this technology is so new there is a lot of room for improvement there is a lot of room for doing good things great things and evolve humanity unfortunately we could also have bad things happening. And that is where I think we need to pay close attention. And, and I love to see governments really paying attention to that, to those people who really want to harm people, to harm society, to maybe if you just want to have a, like a, a funny poem talking about Donald Trump, what is the problem with that? Probably? I mean, why are you censoring? Probably if you are censoring it, you are going to say, hey, look what happened. And, and because of the negative fifth loop here, there, most likely you have more interactions or people will start asking more because you couldn't do it. That the actual effect that it would have had if you could have, like, create the poem, let's say, it was just a funny poem that you wanted to have. And now it's, we are talking about that here, that you couldn't do it and why it was it? I can definitely see us go on for at
2: least another hour as we open this up. But unfortunately, we're going to have to put a stop at it here because Nacho, a really, really great conversation. And I'd say your English is really, I'd say articulate in the message you're trying to convey. So props to your English. You didn't need to warm up, I think, or you did your warm up before we started. (laughs) Props to that. But with that, <laughs> that being said, Nacho, where can people Thank you, find, out, find out more about you, learn about what you're writing, learn about your perspectives on, you know, Web3, crypto, where can people follow you and see what you're doing?
0: Thank you, Diego. Child, before giving that... Uh, my my personal information and everything else. I just wanted to thank you because when we met on Discord, I I was having an event where I basically told my whole story. It was almost like I was just taking a look today. It was like nine or or ten months ago I had that event. That was the first time that I was having a a solo event in in that Discord. Also in in English. I don't know why always the, the, the first time that I'm starting doing something new here in the Web3 space, it has to be in English. This is not my first time being interviewed in a podcast, and it was in English. Also, the first time that I did a Twitter Spaces as the host, it was in English. The first time that I had a keynote, it was in English too. And so it was uh, after that event, I, I I don't know if you remember that, Diego, and that you sent me a, yeah, a I was friend request, and, and you wrote a, a very beautiful message. Yes, and you know what? I told you, hey Diego, what, what, what did you do for, for your leaving and whatnot and you told me about the podcast. <laughs> and I was so naive to tell you yes. maybe we can one day we can do it something together. And when you gave me the the, the name of your podcast and I and I went to to, to the platform uh, I just took a look at what you guys are doing. I just say I cannot do a podcast with him. He's so, I I didn't have nothing to say really. And now, almost one year after that, that we are doing one episode together is crazy for me, really. So, thank you for the opportunity, guys. It means a lot for me. And if people wanna follow me, I'm trying to grow a little bit my Twitter audience. It is at Nacho Peruso. That is with that yeah. That is my handle. There you can find everything else that you that you need to know about me. I'm also creating the post that it is a, a weekly newsletter. It goes out every Friday. You have the link in my bio on Twitter. We are writing about personal development and crypto. We, we are a, a very nice group of people I see. Diego is, is part of the group too. He, we are very fortunate to, to consider him a friend. We are have kind of Discord too. We, we try to have meaningful conversations. We talk about AI, personal development, investment, crypto, Exactly. That is, the, that is the website. Thank you. So, yeah, that is basically what I'm doing in, in the West 3 space at the moment. And I would love to connect with, with your audience.
1: Awesome. Nacho, thank you so much for being our guest. It was an amazing episode. Like Diego said, we could probably go on easily for another hour, but we're going to close off here. And it was a pleasure having you as a guest. Thank you for tuning in for everybody that's tuning in to the live show. But also, if you're listening or watching this in a relay, thank you for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week, same date on Tuesday,
0: every Tuesday. That's it for this week. See you and bye-bye.